Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about a topic that I help parents with frequently in my parent coach practice, and that is the topic of parenting an anxious child. I'm going to help make sense of anxiety, identify the most common root causes of anxiety in children, and also provide some suggestions and solutions to help you parent your anxious child. Now, I've taken many classes and attended countless workshops and webinars on the subject of childhood anxiety. Many of classes I've taken were through the Neufeld Institute. I've read lots of psychological journals and taken, as I said, online classes. One course in particular, Making Sense of Anxiety through the Neufeld Institute and articles that I will reference and also include in my show notes written by Dr. Deborah McNamara, who wrote Rest, Play, Grow. Those are really a big part of the insight and recommendations that I'm sharing with you today. So I've put that information, those references in my show notes. So if you're interested in reading more or maybe taking the Making Sense of Anxiety course yourself, I encourage you to do so. And I've included a way for you to find out how in my show notes. So anxiety... It's a universal human experience. What I mean by that is that we all experience anxiety from times to times. It's also one of the most commonly diagnosed health conditions for both adults and children. In fact, the World Health Organization has identified anxiety as one of the leading health concerns worldwide for children ages 4 to 17. If you talk to teachers, many of them report that they're finding an increase of children who are highly anxious in their classrooms. So it's important for us to make sense of what anxiety is, and that's what I'm going to attempt to do first. So where it comes from and what it is in the most basic of terms, anxiety is a mental and physical state that's driven by the emotion of alarm. Now, the common symptoms I'm sure many of you are familiar with, if you yourself experience anxiety or your children do, is an increase in heart rate, difficulty focusing, increase in worry, and even sometimes in extreme cases, a sense of panic, stomach and intestinal upset. And in children, often you can see an increase in fears, fears like being afraid of the dark, being afraid to be alone, perceived dangers like the boogeyman or monsters, and also an increase of clinginess or pursuit of proximity of parents and caregivers by children. 
Anxiety itself kind of gets a bad rap, but it's actually, of course, completely necessary for human survival because it moves us to caution and to change when something isn't working or we are in danger. The problem, of course, comes when people get stuck or children get stuck in persistent states of alarm, and that can lead to anxiety disorders. This occurs when the amygdala, the brain structure that detects danger and then makes a decision for us subconsciously between the responses of fight, flight, or freeze. When the amygdala goes into overdrive, it dumps a bunch of chemicals, including adrenaline and other hormones, into our bodies and then sends out all these signals of danger, oftentimes when none really exists. So some of this is, of course, temporary. It could just be a state of heightened stress, like, I don't know, the pandemic or other stresses that might be occurring in families that can cause this persistent state of alarm in children. And some of it can also be tied to DNA and genes because there's a hereditary factor that comes with anxiety disorders. But some of this has to do with conditioned responses due to environmental factors. And that's the part that we do have some control over. So parenting an anxious child, no doubt you know, if you have a child you would identify as being highly anxious, can be really tough and exhausting and frustrating. And parents oftentimes themselves become alarmed in the face of their child's anxiety and alarm. And this, of course, becomes a vicious cycle and feeds the problem. Oftentimes, parents, they try to talk to their children and try and talk them out of their fears or start kind of asking lots of questions of children like, what's wrong with you or why are you worried or why are you feeling this way? Because by understanding that this is not a chosen state for children, they oftentimes don't have the answer and that causes even further alarm and anxiety in children. Understand that it's really our job as parents of anxious children to figure out and dig down to get all 3D parent-like and dig down to uncover the root causes of the alarm in our children. That's what can guide us and help us make decisions and know what to do to help our children get out of this state of maybe chronic alarm. And in some cases, once we understand the root causes of our child's alarm, it can help us make sense for our children of their alarm and help them learn to cope with the symptoms. So understanding the causes of our children's alarm really can help us make bold and brave choices for our children about when to protect them from experiences that may be too alarming for our children or how to guide children through experiences and help them cope with these feelings of increased alarm. Now, the most common source of childhood anxiety, of childhood alarm, is without a doubt separation from parents and their primary attachment figures. This can happen at bedtime, perhaps, when they might say, oh, I'm scared of the dark, or I'm scared of a robber is going to come in my room, or I'm scared of monsters, but it's, of course, really not that. It's the separation, the being alone and being away from parents all night long that is driving the alarm. Listen to this quote by Dr. Deborah McNamara, who I already mentioned. Anxiety is created when a child's emotional system defends against seeing the things that would make them feel too afraid. 
So in other words, anxiety about dark or the boogeyman is actually a defense that your child has subconsciously. It's your child's subconscious protecting them from naming that which is actually the most scary for them. And that is a permanent separation from you, their parents and their deepest attachments. So instead they name something a little bit less scary like the dark or a monster. They don't wanna actually go there. They don't wanna actually name that which is causing all the alarm in them. Their brain defends from that and they point to something else fairly arbitrary instead, the monsters, the dark. Now, this separation alarm, the thing that I'm sharing with you, others have identified this as being the root cause of most childhood alarm and anxiety. Many parents use the separation alarm to their advantage as a form of punishment. When they take what is most scary to their children, separation from us, and use it against them to control them. And I'm talking about things like timeouts or sending a child to their room or locking them in a room, or sometimes feigned abandonment, pretending to leave a child behind at a park, or behind at home if they don't come with you and you've asked. All these are common separation-based discipline techniques that oftentimes parents use, which actually feeds a child's alarm, their anxiety. So it goes without saying, of course, that these should be avoided. Same is true for other things that are common discipline techniques or things that parents resort to when they don't really know what else to do that also take advantage of a child's alarm system. Things like yelling, threatening them, getting in a child's face in a really menacing way, removal of toys and privileges even, all of these heighten a child's alarm. All of these are discipline techniques that use that alarm system to try and coerce behaviors that we want to see in our children or want to stop in our children. And the reason they work or seem to work is because they cause anxiety responses in our children, largely because they put us, the parents, against our children and form yet another source of separation from us. And they seem to work. That's why parents often kind of fall back on these, or maybe they experience these techniques themselves. And they seem to work, but with really, really big consequences. And that, again, is by feeding your child's anxiety disorder or helping to develop a potential anxiety disorder in your child. Or if one already kind of exists, again, because of DNA, it might be making it even more pronounced or more of a problem for your child. So using these type of alarm-based discipline techniques are a big part of causing an increase in alarm and anxiety in children. I went into a lot of detail about this and also provided lots of discipline alternatives to the ones I've mentioned in episode four of the 3D Parent Podcast, my episode titled Discipline with Dignity. So if this kind of sparked something in you and you want to know more and want to learn alternatives, I encourage you to listen to episode four to hear more about discipline techniques to avoid and the alternatives that work really well without causing increased alarm in your children. Other times children can experience the separation alarm is when they experience actual physical separation, things like going to school, daycare, um, us leaving for work or travel, or in incidences where there's been a divorce and there's a split custody and children are going back and forth between different guardians and parents. And of course, during parenthood or attachment figure illness or even death, many of these, of course, are unavoidable, but it's good to recognize because it helps us identify the root causes of anxiety in children, which is, again, 
caused largely by this sense of separation alarm. So now that I've helped identify what anxiety is and also the most common likely source of childhood alarm and anxiety, I'm going to provide you with some solutions, some things to avoid if possible, and some things to do instead, some solutions to help you with your alarmed child. The first thing is something to avoid. I'm going to go through a list of four things to avoid and then a list of 12 suggestions to do instead. Number one on the list of things to avoid if possible. Don't try to talk your child or reason them out of what alarms them. Telling them, oh, you don't really need to worry about the boogeyman. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as monsters. Trying to talk your child or reason them out of what alarms them is not necessary and doesn't help. Number two, stop asking questions like, tell me what's worrying you or tell me what to do to help you not feel so worried or anxious. Asking questions like that, as I mentioned before, actually adds to your child's experience of alarm. Number three, stop all fear-based discipline techniques. The ones I mentioned, the yelling, the threatening, the punishments, or what we call sometimes consequences that are really, you know, removal of privileges or threats, um, timeouts, feigned abandonment, sending your child to your, their room. As I already mentioned, those feed into your child's alarm. And so those should be avoided if possible. Uh, number four, do not allow yourself to convey to your child your own alarm when faced with your child's alarm. Don't let your child know or see or hear that it stresses you out or gives you anxiety when you're dealing with your own child's anxiety. This can be difficult. I know, again, there's this DNA component, this genetic component to children and anxiety disorders. So if you yourself are someone who struggles with anxiety or has a diagnosed anxiety disorder, it can be really challenging to be able to keep that in check when dealing with your own child's anxiety. So get yourself help and figure out strategies to help you cope so your child doesn't pick up on that. And that in and of itself feeds even more alarm into your child. So those are the four things to avoid. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. Here are the things to do instead, 12 of them, as I mentioned. Number one, instill a sense of confidence to your child that you know how to take care of them that they can rest in your care, that you could take care of everything, including their alarm, ensuring them that they are not too much to handle, that you can handle this, that you know what to do, that they can rest in your care, you're gonna help them, you're gonna solve this for them, you're gonna find a way through from them. You need to help your child experience you in this state of complete control, and confidence, this real alpha energy, this nurturing alpha energy that I sometimes refer to on my podcast. Children need to sense that and believe it. That helps. Number two, cut back on any separation that can be avoided. As I've already mentioned, any type of discipline techniques that might be causing separation, those can be avoided. Also things though, like canceling plans, dropping extracurricular classes or activities that your child does outside of your presence, 
play dates, thinking about maybe some big changes, separation that maybe you can decrease um, having to do with the way in which you work, uh, your child and where they go to school, childcare choices, cut out or decrease any avoidable separation. I understand that some of this may not be avoidable, but sometimes I've worked with parents and they've recognized, well, gosh, you know, back in the days when we actually went away to work and didn't work from home as we are commonly doing during the pandemic, um, many of us are, that is, sometimes I've worked with parents and they've recognized, well, gosh, if I stagger my schedule with my partner, my spouse, I might be able to stay with my child longer in the morning before taking them to school or childcare so I could spend more time in contact with them there and also decrease the number of hours they're spending in childcare. And then my spouse could do the opposite and could go into work early in the morning while I kind of have more time with the child or children then. And then my spouse can maybe pick up from childcare or school a little bit earlier while I stay a little bit later at work. So thinking about ways in which you can be creative. In some cases where there's really extreme levels of anxiety in children, you may have to make some really hard or bold choices. There have been parents who their children experience extreme separation anxiety being at childcare or school, and parents have had to make really tough decisions like pulling their children out of schools, homeschooling for a period of time, taking your child out of a childcare center setting or a preschool center, and instead doing that at home, or maybe just having one, another attachment figure like a single nanny or au pair who can provide the necessary childcare that the child can develop a deep, strong bond with and not experience so much compounding separation. Just keep in mind, if you're facing one of these really big, hard choices that are possible for your family, remember that this may only need to be temporary while your child is really struggling. You could reintroduce school outside of the home later. You can reintroduce childcare outside of the home later. You might be able to work with your employer or your parenting partner or spouse may be able to work with their employer and decrease your hours or be flexible, allow some work at home and some work. Think about what you could do to solve the problem right now without getting yourself paralyzed by thinking, gosh, I'll never be able to progress in my career. My child will never go to school if I do homeschool right now, this year, this month, this semester. Stop future tripping and deal with a problem right now and a solution that might be necessary right now to better meet your child's needs and help solve part of the problem around their anxiety. Number three, any separation that is unavoidable, find a way to bridge that separation. Bridging is a real common term used in kind of the Gordon Neufeld developmental psychology and attachment-based literature and classes. Bridging is finding ways to basically help your child hold on to that attachment with you through a period of separation. And there's lots of ways you can do that. You can perhaps figure out like the amount of time your child can handle before they become very alarmed and unhappy. And maybe you schedule a drop-in check-in at their school or daycare center. Perhaps it's just placing a note in their lunchbox um, saying, I'm thinking about you. Sometimes parents fear that this might increase a sense of anxiety. It actually doesn't. It actually helps your child feel those feelings of missing you in a way that's healthy. It's healthy to miss your parent or caregiver when you're separated from them, particularly if you're very young or highly anxious. 
So reminding your child of that connection through period of separation can help them. You can also give your child maybe an object of yours to keep a hold of while you're away. Um, I've given the idea before of maybe you and your child wearing matching bracelets and that they can kind of know, okay, we're still connected even when we're apart. And when I see my bracelet, it makes me think of my parents that I'm missing. And I know they're wearing one too and we're connected. That's another example of bridging. You might need to, if there's a lot of anxiety that comes into play at bedtime, you might need to help your child fall asleep. You might need to check in a lot during the night or during the falling asleep process. And in some cases where children are really anxious and are not able to sleep on their own, you might need to investigate your child sleeping in your room for a period of time. Again, this is a temporary solution for a big problem. Periods of extreme anxiety in your children. Making a little bed for your child in your room is a choice that can really help your child move through this period of anxiety. Again, it's not forever. It might just be for right now. Tip number four, double down on that connection time when you're together with your child to really deepen that attachment so it's easier for them to hold on when you're separated. Getting that special time, making it a priority, making it high quality time, not just, you know, Okay, we're going to spend some time together, but I'm actually going to be kind of monitoring my phone, checking emails, kind of keeping one ear on uh, the TV or podcast I'm listening to. No, really double down on that time spent together to deepen connection. This can really help your child cope with feelings of alarm. Tip five, during those times when your child and you are feeling really connected, educate your child about about their alarm. Talk to them about how it works. Talk to them about that amygdala. Talk about the responses and its purpose and why it's really good to have periods where you do feel this heightened alarm, but also times when it works against us, times when our brain kind of tricks us into feeling alarmed when there actually is not a danger there. So teach your child about their alarm to help normalize it and make sense of it for them and so they can understand what it is and why they feel this way occasionally. Number six, provide physical outlets. Things like sports, outdoor play, things that include repetitive motion like rocking in a rocking chair, gum chewing, uh, watching fish swimming in tanks, playing with pets, things like that, many opportunities for play. That can help provide outlets for children to work through some of their anxious feelings or for them to be able to release some energy that could be driving some of this alarm response. When I talk about lots of opportunities of play, something that can really help is play that is alarm-based play. What I mean by that is games like hide-and-seek, games like um, you know peekaboo even for a young child, or games where there is, you know, the parent is pretending to be the monster and chasing the kids, being the tickle monster, or just chasing the kids around in games. That is play that is alarm-based, but it's fun because it's play. And so if your child loves play that is alarming, things like, I'm going to, you know, try and find you, and I find you, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the monster, that for them does cause a bit of alarm response in them, but it's enjoyable, it's pleasurable for many kids, not all kids, but that might be a helpful outlet for your child who is struggling with anxiety. Tip seven, take the lead often in decision making. 
asking your kids lots of questions. What do you want to eat for dinner? Do you want to watch a movie or do you want to go play a game? Do you want to go to the park or do you want to go to the zoo? Asking kids a lot of questions can also cause alarm in kids. It makes them feel put on the spot. It makes them feel like they're in charge and calling the shots, which also, by the way, can be an alarm response. So take the lead. If you have a highly anxious child, do more of the decision-making for your children. Say things like, hey, today we're going to go to the zoo. I've decided tonight we're going to have pasta with meatballs for dinner. I decided tonight our family activity is going to be watching a family movie. Just make those decisions for your children and present them, as opposed to asking a lot of questions and having your child have to make a lot of decisions. That can help, again, with an alarmed, anxious child. Number eight, normalize the feelings of anxiety and fear by saying things. When your child is saying that they're afraid of monsters, say things like, all children are afraid of monsters. I'm afraid of monsters. Or things like, Everyone feels nervous when they're trying something new. I feel nervous on my first day of work, just like you feel nervous on your first day of school. So normalizing those experiences for our children, helping them recognize there's nothing wrong with you to feel periods of alarm. That's normal, and I'm here to help you through them. Normalizing those feelings helps them feel less alarmed just having these feelings. Tip nine, help your child find their tears. Again, I did a whole episode about tears and the importance of tears. When it comes to anxiety, help your child find their tears and expressions of frustration, even over the small little upsets. This can, similarly to having those kind of physical releases, those emotional releases can also help release some of the built-up frustration energy that oftentimes can underlie alarm. Number 10, help your child find their mixed feelings. Mixed feelings, also referred to as integrative functioning. Um, this is something that's really helped me as I've understood it when I've taken my classes through the Newfeld Institute or done a lot of reading on the subject. Mixed feelings are things that come about in children between around the ages of five to seven and typically developing children can be a bit later in your more sensitive kids, ages seven to nine in your more sensitive kids. Oftentimes, the more sensitive kids also tend to be your more anxious children. So keep that in mind, too. But even if your child is not experiencing these mixed feelings often, if they're a little younger or they're one of these more sensitive children, it doesn't mean they don't have the capability occasionally. You just might have to help them find those mixed feelings. And here's what I'm talking about specific to alarm and anxiety. You want to help your child find the mixed feelings that produce courage. This can't really happen unless children can experience more than one feeling at a time. And the two basic feelings that we're talking about here are fear and desire. When children can push past their fear because they have a desire as well, and they can mix these feelings of fear and desire, they can push through, and that's where courage is born. I'll give you an example of this in a way in which I talk about this with my children. This is also kind of imagery that I'm borrowing from um, Neufeld, and it's the image of the dragon and the treasure. So when my highly sensitive third-born child, I use often as an example on my podcast, Maisie, when she was starting kindergarten, she was pretty anxious, but she was also really excited. She had made some friends at the same school in pre-K, and she was really excited to see those friends again. 
She was very excited to learn. She was already a reader, but she couldn't wait to read even more. She was excited to write. She was excited to get to take art classes and music classes that the big kids kindergarten and above get to take at her school. There was a lot of treasure to be found in going to kindergarten, but she also had some fears. She was scared at being one of the youngest kids in a bigger school with kids that are all the way up to age 14. She was scared of being separated from me all day long. Again, remember the key thing there driving that fear is that separation alarm. And she could identify it, that she was worried about being away for so long. She had other fears. What if I get hurt at school? Who's going to take care of me? What if I don't make friends and people don't like me and they leave me out? What if I have to do something at school I think is really boring? So those were kind of all the dragons. And the dragons are kind of those things that were causing fear in her. So I talked her through this image of the dragon and the treasure, the dragon. And I said, okay, let's talk about all the things that are the dragons, the things that you're fearful of. And she listed those all off. And then I said, okay, and then we have the treasure. And the dragon right now is blocking that treasure box. So let's talk about all the good things, all the things you're looking forward to, all the things that are things you're desiring in going to kindergarten. And so she listed off all those things that she was excited about every single moment. We had so many treasures and hint parents, it's really helpful to have a very full treasure box when you're going through and talking through this with your anxious child. And it's not just for little kids. I've talked about this also with my older kids when they've experienced a lot of anxiety. So, you know, with a young child, you might approach it, but with older children, helping them make sense of their mixed feelings also can be really helpful. But back to Maisie. So we talked about the dragon, all those fears she had about going to kindergarten. And then we talked to all those treasures. And we talked about, gosh, if we just gave up and we didn't go to kindergarten, we'd never get those treasures. We'd never get to experience all those things that we're looking forward to, that we're desiring. And so it's worth it to push past that dragon and get to the other side to get the treasure. And imagine how you're going to feel on the other side. You're going to feel so proud of yourself. You're going to feel so courageous and you're going to feel so much braver to do this and other times when you're feeling a little bit fearful and scared, but also want to do something really bad, like trying a new class or going on a really fun ride at the amusement park or things of that nature. So helping your child work through and experience and identify their mixed feelings, feeling more than one feeling at a time. It's a really big piece of maturity, but it can also be a really big piece of helping a child work through their anxiety and alarm. Tip number 11, help your child do what Mr. Rogers advised way back when on his TV show, help your child find the helpers. Those were the words that Mr. Rogers used. What I mean by that is if your child is going to be separated from you, knowing again that separation alarm drives a lot of anxiety, help your child recognize who does take care of them when you're not there. And you want to be able to help your child bond and form a nice close attachment with their teacher. Friendships and attachments, uh, friendships are great, but we all know that those can be fairly volatile. And if your children's primary attachment when they're at school or daycare away from you is their peers, that can be highly problematic. Instead, you want to really help foster a bond, a relationship, a connection and attachment with the adults who are taking care of your children when you're not there and make a very clear transfer of attachment from you to the teacher or caregiver or babysitter that will be taking care of your child when you're not with them. And what I mean by that is a lot of children experience a lot of separation alarm when they're getting dropped off at school or daycare. 
So if you kind of helped foster this strong bond between your child and their teacher or caregiver, you make this very clear transfer. You literally walk the child directly out to that teacher. You say, okay, here is your teacher. Your teacher is so excited to spend the day with you and take care of you and hug you. And when you miss me, take care of you if you get hurt or having a hard time. And I'll be here to uh, pick you up at the end of the day. You make a clear transfer of attachment so your child knows whose care now they can rest in when you're not there. So help your child identify all of those people there to help take care of them. Again, it should be the adults in whose care that they're in, not pointing to like all the friends and you're going to get to spend all day long with your friends. Again, friendships are great and wonderful and we should help our children in their friendships and navigate those. But again, this specifically is about the transfer of attachment from one adult to another adult who will be taking care of your child that day. My final tip, number 12, accept your child's alarm. Know that if you have a child that is more anxious than the norm or than your other children, it can sometimes be hard for parents to accept and just recognize this is a part of who your child is. Now, it may be temporary or it may be just a part of who they are. So understand that the goal here is not to extinguish the flame of anxiety, but instead to lead your child through or around the fire. I'm going to end with this quote, again, by Dr. Deborah McNamara. Fear is not a problem to get rid of. Rather, it is a way of moving us forward to caution, to tears, or to courage. I hope this has been helpful today. Again, I have a lot of resources in my show notes that I think will be very helpful for you to deepen your understanding of your child's alarm and anxiety and other ideas for solutions of how to help them navigate that. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.